Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, Loose Ends, the bonus spin-off podcast where every week Dad and I sit down and give you some extra because who doesn't like a little bit of seconds when you're at the buffet? I really should plan these intros. I'm recording from my study, which is adjacent to a level crossing, Dad. So if you hear some ambient ding-dings it's, and, or like honks, hmm. it's not because I'm in some weird sound effects studio. I am, in fact, right near a train station. How are you That's doing? That's nice. I'm, I'm great. You know how you said, uh, did you say smorgasbord or words to that effect? Yeah, pretty much. Like a buffet. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't like them. Really? Well, I think they're unhygienic. So why did you take us to them? You took the Verhovens went to a smorgasbord at what was that place on the beach? Manly. No, no, no. It was like a big hotel. Um, oh, yeah, well, that was a hotel. Do you remember it? Yeah, it was classy. No, what? Do you remember the name of it though? The Manly Pacific. The Manly Pacific. So we go to the Manly Pacific and we do the all you can eat. And twelve-year-old Paul, Paul would- mate, it wasn't all you can eat, wasn't it? No, and it was very refined. In fact, you children were so well behaved. Paul, one yeah, night, yeah. an elderly lady, yeah, um, she complimented you on uh, on. Our she matters. came over and said, "I'd like to congratulate the two of you on your incredibly well behaved children." Mm-hmm. And then yeah. did the matron come over and compliment you on how handsome you were, <laughs> Paul? Not I'm joking. Nice. No, no. You. One of the things we never did holidays. You basically. Uh, your oh, mum. Please don't just you, no, you make these please, sweeping just, statements. No, we never listen, did holidays. We do, okay. We went to the Blue Mountains twice. But listen, what I'm trying to say, Dad, is that what you did instead was you made sure that we were exposed to as many different cuisines as possible. So true, true. the Verhovens just went ham on really, really strange, wonderful foods at incredible restaurants. So that was what we did. So mm. of course we were going to be well behaved at a restaurant because that's what you trained us for. True, true. You I see, mean, we, it looked back around yeah, to a compliment. <laughs> that's nice. I mean, we took you to some great restaurants in Sydney, including Rockpool. Uh, oh, I ate pigeon there. That's right. Yeah, so that was we, really we, good. But I, I'm not quite sure why we didn't go on holidays. God. Oh, dear. That's right. No, we did. I, but anyway, look, no, you could I, say that living with us has been a perpetual holiday. You could say that. Moving on, here we go. The first question is from Ardian, and Ardian says, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, by the way. Hey, Paul, I'm up to the episode where you and John are talking about the funeral arrangements for your grandfather. John was saying that his mother wanted to be buried in a used coffin. I'm a Muslim, and the mosque has a coffin that everyone can use, so Muslim funerals are cheap. That's amazing. Wanted to ask John if he had any experience with Muslim funerals that weren't done at a mosque. Thank you. Dad, thoughts? Um, yes, we did, and... Uh, we, we we did lots of faith funerals mm-hmm. of various de- denominations, uh, and I can only just say yes. 
and it was a standard type funeral. So there were no specific requests um, because sometimes people of a particular faith mm-hmm. perhaps not are practicing that faith. And then the family just thinks, look, you know, you may be uh, born, brought into a particular faith, but then you don't practice or you might not believe or you might be agnostic or, or dare I say, it, atheist or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and those people, those families, uh, whilst uh, a particular religion by name, were just given a very standard funeral. So that's mm-hmm. about as much I can as I can say on that particular topic. No, it's it's interesting because, you know, I was raised Roman Catholic, but, you know, I, my beliefs are fluid. I don't know if I will have a Roman Catholic service. I mean, you were raised Paul, to be a Catholic. Paul, very few people say Roman. Really? Yeah. How do you pronounce it? No, they don't, they don't even say Roman. They just say no, Catholic. No, there's definitely different, you know, it's, it's a bit like, uh, do you want a, come on, Dad, it's like, it's like sparkling if it's not Roman Catholic, it's referred to as sparkling Catholic. It's like that. Mm-hmm. This is going south. Next message is from Megan McDonald or Megan. No, let's go with Megan. Just want to thank you guys for a great podcast. It has encouraged me to study criminal justice at uni next year, hoping to eventually do criminology. Looking forward to turning an interest into a career. Bit of a late starter at 31, but better late than never. Megan. Congratulations. That is so good. Dad, how does it feel to know that you've influenced someone's career? Well, I've always regarded myself as a uh, minor influencer. Really? Uh, very minor. But um, on the point of 31, I think that's really young. I think it's great. But I think also what you're bringing to the party is a level of maturity and life's uh, experiences. You know, when I joined the police force, I was 20, 21. And, and by some um, accounts, I was not super young. Mm-hmm. There were people in my class that were in there. Uh, there was a girl in my class when we went to the driver training academy. Get ready for this, everyone. She was on her L's. <laughs> she was on her L's. Isn't that funny? What a loser not knowing how to drive. No, she she quickly learned, <laughs> I can assure you. I'm joking. And she was a bloody good driver. But Well, um, yeah, I mean, I was doing the Stonington Literary Festival today and I was chatting with Karina Kilmore, the host. And she said, could you tell me one of your favorite stories from Electric Blue? And I told the one about mum with that dickhead taking over for her in a car chase and getting the car stuck midair between two bollards. That Mm. fucking incredible story. So, Mm. you know. It's a great yarn. It's great. And I know all too well how amazing um, women drivers are in the police. Uh, that wasn't so much a question from Megan as it was just a thank you. So, I Dad, I wanted to read that for you. But it it's was lovely. It's good that these two have been short because we have a story here from a listener called Nick. And he has written a story for you and me. And he's changed the names for me so I don't have to change names. Okay? Mm. And it's a long one, but it's really good. So, and this is a bit of a, I think we need to pay attention to the details here. So, here we go. Hi all, big fan from the UK here, was listening to the first Loose Unit's Origins earlier today and a question from Paul to John about his dealings with the police before joining the service got me thinking about my own experiences. I'm 22, just finished my degree and wallowing into the world of unemployment. Thanks, COVID! But when I was 18, six months into my first year at uni, I had a run-in with the police. Some context here. My best friend, I'll call him Josh, not his real name, was at the same uni as me. We'd been at school together and he had dated this girl, we'll call her Jackie, also not her real name, for a few weeks before splitting about six months before university. Yeah, that does happen. 
high school boyfriends and girlfriends break up before uni. It happens. Jackie oh, had a bit of history of mental health issues and self-harm. This is grim, but will be important later. She'd been expelled from our school for bringing a knife in her bag one day. She'd fallen pregnant. They decided not to keep it and parted ways. And then she turned up at our university. She wanted to get back together with him. He'd turned her down and she'd left in floods of tears. We thought that was the end of it, but it turned out that she had tracked down our other friend, Laura, you get the gist by now, who had previously also dated Josh and spent the next few hours in a pub drowning her sorrows quite considerably. Nothing too remarkable here, except Jackie eventually confided in Laura that she tracked her down and wasted a few hours to make sure she'd missed the last train home. She was stuck in our university town, nowhere to stay, and a hope that would, and hoped that, and hoped, uh, sorry, she had a hope that this would mean that Josh would let her sleep at his place. All a bit secondary school. Sure. I'm asleep at this point. It's nearly 1am when I get a call from Laura. Jackie is running around the area near the pub, seemingly drunk out of her mind and screaming to the rooftops. I can hear her from my flat. I get dressed and go and try to calm her down. Doesn't really work, but Laura and I manage to get her away from all the houses where people are twitching curtains to see what's going on. I call Josh to try and take her in. He doesn't think it's a good idea because there's clearly a plan here. We're not sure what to do, especially as by this point, Jackie is acting pretty violently towards Laura and myself. A lot of slapping. She starts screaming that she's going to jump in the river nearby in an attempt to end her own life. It's at this point that we call the police. They rock up before we get to the river, at which point Jackie flips a switch and is suddenly acting perfectly sober. I have no idea what they're talking about, officer, that kind of thing. Speaking one-on-one with one of the officers, a young man who in hindsight looked a bit like a ginger version of Paul... God, I'd love to be Ginger. I told them that she had been drinking, she had been violent, and had nowhere to stay. Could we put her in a cell overnight, I asked, because for numerous reasons, Laura and myself didn't want her staying in either of our flats. I didn't really want her to know where I lived, for a start. No, the officer replied, because there had been no evidence that Jackie had been violent. She's going to have to stay with one of you. This didn't go down very well. I did not feel safe having Jackie in my flat, and I felt that the police officers were derelict in their duty to keep us safe. I decided that I'd be the one to take her in for the night because I felt protective of Laura and didn't trust Jackie's history of being violent. While the police and Laura wait with Jackie, I run back to my flat and wake up all of my flatmates. I must have looked bizarre as I emptied all the sharp objects in the kitchen into a washing up bowl, handed them to one of my flatmates, and told them to lock their doors because Stabby Jackie, not a kind name, but that's what my flatmates knew her as, was coming to stay. And I would message the group chat in the morning when she was gone. Jackie comes back to the flat after a stern talking to by the police, and I tell her in no uncertain terms to leave on the first train in the morning. She does, and leaves a note apologizing. Speaking to Josh the next morning, he told me she had been up carrying a knife in her bag the entire time. I thought that was the end of it, but she ended up popping up several times over the ensuing months until Josh was forced to apply for a formal restraining order. Sorry, that's a lot of context. I was interested in hearing John's opinion, and Paul's too, of the officers who attended the scene early that morning. I spent the six months following the incident worried that Jackie would return to my ground floor flat until we moved into second year accommodation. I'm struggling to conceive of any real reason aside from paperwork, perhaps, why the officers weren't willing to take her into custody when Laura and I both said we were fearful of what she might do. Jackie had been violent, she had a history of mental health issues, had threatened to take her own life that night, and would later prove to become a bit of a stalker. It seems in hindsight to be a slam dunk that she should have been kept in a cell overnight rather than put myself, Laura, or any of my flatmates at risk. It all seems a bit sad with hindsight, and I genuinely hope Jackie, in rabbit fingers, is doing okay. Apologies for the long-form message here. Love the show. Preparing to read Electric Blue during our second lockdown here in the UK, and have been a big fan of Paul since his days of Doctor Who commentary on YouTube. Keep up the good work, Nick. <sighs> Dad? Mm. <laughs> well, Nick, can I firstly say 
you are eloquent in your writing. Uh, that was a good story. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm trying to imagine, as a police officer back then, what I would have done. Um, generally speaking, police were called to incidents where the person was exhibiting uh, outwardly and obviously mm. um, perhaps hypermania, um, bearing in mind that it's a very dangerous situation with people that are uh, unstable, mm-hmm. very, very dangerous for the police. And there have been some cases in Sydney where the police have, um, and very controversially, shot um, in, in, in a few cases, actually shot dead people who've been, um, you know, wielding a knife. And uh, and in one of your books, Paul, there was mm-hmm. that very sad story about the Vietnamese uh, guy that had a uh, complete breakdown at a Buddhist temple. I remember that, yeah. In North Sydney. Mm. And I had to call on the, uh, the assistance of a first grade professional footballer mm. to tackle this uh, guy. What we did is that we didn't even take this particular person to the police station. Now, I'm not quite sure how it works in the United Kingdom, but in Australia, in the 1980s, Mm -hmm. the police would convey that person directly to a mental institution. Now, but how does how is that affected, Dad? For uh, because in this case, in Nick's story, um, she 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 like. Very consciously, I think, snapped back to normal behavior once you saw that the cops were coming. So, I mean, what do you do then? Do you take their word for it? How does that work? Look, it's a very, very complex situation. Um, And Nick, um, this is all with the benefit of hindsight. Imagine at the end of your story, imagine if you had have said that night she killed one of your flatmates. Um, and, And that was great that you... Concealed. I mean, that's the level of, and the depth of, of, of you know, despair and, and, and knowledge that you had. But when the police rock up, um, my gut feeling is that it wasn't down to laziness. You've got to also consider, Nick, that when it comes to a female, what would had to have happened, generally speaking, to, to avoid, particularly in this day and age, and this is very relevant and pertinent to 2020, and that is that the police also have to be very wary of allegations being made against them. So what they would probably do in this situation is they'd definitely call a female police officer in and then they would convey her. But if there was no outward um, sign, I mean, she may have appeared to be Totally lucid. Now, she had a conversation with those police officers out of your earshot, and she may have been so convincing that the police officers, she could have given them the impression that, in fact, you, Nick, and your friend were vexatious complainants, in that she could have said, look, I don't know what these two, you know, they don't like me, they're, they're trying to... Look, who knows? Um, you know, I wasn't there, but... Um, it definitely presents itself, but I in no way doubt, Nick, that uh, based on what you've said, potentially it could have been a, uh, a dangerous situation. And the fact that she went on to become a stalker is creepy. And in, in Australia, we have very strong laws, anti-stalking laws, because stalking is uh, it's a crime that uh, is very, very difficult to 
to to catch the offender because they're normally so devious, yeah, so smart, um, and it's horrific. And it generally is uh, men that stalk women, mm-hmm. often with catastrophic uh, end results. It tends but, to be a certain escalation. The stalking yeah. seems to be a like a, a portent of something worse mm. that will happen. Yeah, yeah, and it's really upsetting for the families. And in this time of uh, of COVID, um, you know, imagine if we received information that our daughter in Berlin, she has no support there. Imagine if she was being stalked. And then you've got the language problem. We can't get there. She can't get here. We'd be going through, I mean, with my, you know, very fertile imagination, I'd be, I'd be s- sort of flipping into worst case scenario. And well, you would be, feel it'd terrible. Be like, yeah, it'd be showing it'd be like Taken, but with terrible, you. Terrible, terrible. Yeah. And um, except that in Taken, mm-hmm. uh, there's only one other film I know where someone has killed more people, and that's John Wick. But up until John Wick, <laughs> I think people will agree that in Taken, he, he the murder count was staggering. You love John... Uh, listeners, mum and dad love some John Wick. I love John Wick. I just want yeah, to put that out I, there. Oh. So good. Look, it's funny. These films are, um, from a psychological perspective, um, I think it's a, a way, it's a safe way yeah. to kind of feel that justice is in some way being executed, being, being yeah. done. And, and, and the first example of that sort of genre that had a dramatic effect on me as a late teen were the Dirty Harry films. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And I love them. I absolutely almost, well, I just, I can't think of a, a word more powerful. I mean, there's really only one bad one, and it's the... It's not even bad. It's that last one with Jim Carrey, but they're all really good. Magnum Force was um, really good. I think it was the third one. Um, I watched them all. I had to write a paper on Dirty Harry at university, Dad. I, I had to I write just, a, Yeah, look, yeah. I, I think what happened with Dirty Harry and, and these, these, these people like John Wick and in Taken, Liam Neeson, I think what happens is that the public, generally speaking, the broad spectrum of quote-unquote... Um, I'm sitting in the kitchen, by the way, listeners, and I just did that silly thing with inverted commas. I'm actually doing it, which is it's funny because I actually don't like to do that, but I don't know what happened there. Um, but I did it. So I guess um, the point is that people, it's it's like a sort of a, a fantasy in a way. And is it harmless for most people? Most people don't take a thought, a negative thought, and then take it through to its ultimate conclusion. So one could argue in the genre of film that it's possibly a good thing. And in that scene in Dirty Harry where that psychopath, it's a visceral scene. And and, and for listeners also, it was rated R. And R back in the day used to mean 18 years and older. I don't think anything gets an R rating these days. But they cut a particular section out of it. He wanted to frame Dirty Harry. He employed this massive guy to beat the shit out of him. And then he could then say that Dirty Harry had bashed him. But in one of the great scenes in that baseball stadium, when Dirty Harry pulls his forty-four Magnum out and shoots him in the leg, and then the lights go on, and he walks up to him. And one of the great scenes is where Dirty Harry is begging this guy to tell him where the young girl is that he'd put in a in a grave while she was still alive and Dirty Harry gets his foot and presses down on the wound and the guy screams and it echoes around in this amazing massive stadium and that was a very powerful scene um, obviously when I became a policeman I you know I didn't take on board all that sort of stuff but and I never really thought about doing that but well, um, I, ha- I have to ask um do you think any of this is uh, helpful for, Nick, for Nick's problem? I mean, <laughs> Nick, Nick, are Nick. you suggesting Nick take justice into his own hands? Is that what no, you're no, no. I think Nick sounds like a really nice guy, and yeah. and he and he, and he's written in, and 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 that's great. Um, he's, yeah, I really like that story. And it's I'm complex. Just, yeah. It's it's a difficult, difficult story. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I I used to think outside the square when I was a police officer, and I always tried to, you know, to factor in. And I think. If if Nick and, and your friend had been so deeply concerned, that should have because I know that you're very literate and, and you convey a, a very good point with 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 emotion. I mm. I think if I was standing with you as and and you were explaining something to me, if you are, if I was with you and you were sort of demonstrating through your emotions, through your through your movements, hand movements, um, what what you felt could have happened, I think. You would have picked it up. I would have definitely picked up on it, and I would have, um, I would have radioed for a female police officer, and we would have taken you either 
A, to an institution or B, back to the police station. But Nick also, you know, it's not that simple and the public often think this, it's not that simple just to pick someone up, take them back to the police station, bung them in a cell overnight. Like that's actually not quite how it works. It does happen in Australia in certain outback remote areas where if someone's intoxicated, they can Mm. be put into a cell without being charged. But that now creates massive problems with, with deaths in custody. Yep. Of which we have a horrific um, track record. It's track very, record. Yeah. And yep. also, Paul and listeners, I'd like to also make mention of the report that's come out today. Oh, my God. The, Afga- the Afghanistan thing? And I've read the, uh, <sighs> the report. And I just wanted to put it out there, everyone, that if you can imagine that that environment, that environment was mirrored... Uh, in, a, in almost the same way in the New South Wales Police Force in the 80s. In what respect? That culture of, of witnessing things and not not saying anything about it. And one of the witnesses has copped a bit of flack and um, people have said, why did it take you this long? Well, you have to be in that environment to appreciate how scary it is to say anything. And um, they're talking between 30 and 40 um, members of the uh, special air services, um, you know, that are, are probably going to be um, investigated by the Commonwealth Police for for murder and other terrible things. So they it's pretty it, heavy. Yeah, they called it blooding. The, the, yeah. you, had to, you had to kill. Yeah. I mean, look, I haven't <sighs> been in a war situation, um, but I, my best friend in, uh, let's just say my best friend when I was a young boy, I think we've discussed this, Paul, in in some podcasts a while ago. Uh, he was my best friend in Armadale, and uh, he went on to become, um, you know, pretty senior in um, the SAS in Western Australia. No, you never told me this. No, so um, you know, I'd, I'd love to hook up with him and find out just what. Oh, look, it's you can't imagine. Look, yeah, it's it, but I just wanted to. I didn't want to sort of go down that that hole but i just wanted to let the listeners know that today's a pretty auspicious day in australian history history um and it's going to become uh we're going to hear more and more about it it's just i find it i actually find you know it's it's one thing after another like we had the anniversary yesterday the one year anniversary of covid Mm -hmm. which um you know when you think about um at least speaking from an australian perspective um i think it's fair to say um, and I'd like to to know what it's like overseas, but for one year now, um, every single day, every single day, we talk about it, and it's it can't be good for the national psyche. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I do worry about people that have got mental health issues, and it's and and I, I worry what goes on behind closed doors, and um, there's enough stress in life let alone adding this COVID-19 into the mix. And it's a huge thing. And, and, you know, there are just so many big things happening in the world. I don't want to sort of make things sound sad, but boy, oh boy, it's it's been a tough year. And um, we're flying down to uh, to Melbourne in the next few weeks to see you and Tegan. And, and every time I hear the news, I'm thinking, golly, like we've, we've booked the tickets, we've booked the Airbnb, um, 
and it's all looking great, but hopefully nothing happens whereby it all gets cancelled. You know, we we won't have seen any of our kids in almost a year. Um, we're certainly not going to get to Thailand till God knows when. And Anne's living in Berlin. And Berlin, mm-hmm. I mean, they've had massive riots. The Brandenburg Gates, they were using water cannons in the last 24 hours. People demonstrating about why should they wear masks. So, and Europe's coming into winter. So I think we all need to sort of, we need solidarity and, uh, you know, all be very positive. And I think that's one of the great things about this, the podcasts we do, Paul. Um, and generally speaking, we're pretty lighthearted about pretty tough topics. Um, yeah. And we try to, you know, I mean, we didn't I, plan to no, wander no. into the war crimes thing. No, but, no, no. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's pretty hard not to, I agree. to at least acknowledge that something pretty pretty heavy. And, I, and, and what about all the... the, the of the Australian Defence Force. I mean, we live in an area where the the Navy are within the ships um, down at Woolloomooloo. I drive past them at least twice a day. And, uh, you know, your uncle is in the Royal Australian Navy. Mm -hmm. And uh, and imagine how they're feeling. You know, it's like like there's a death in custody. Um, Someone in an organisation does something really bad and the media focus on it obviously but then imagine all the great people the wonderful wonderful people it is very interesting because there are people who there might be people who you know or you might be one of these people listening um where you are part of the power structure that does the terrible thing and you knew because everyone on the inside knows they just know not to talk about it or you know it's it's not confirmed so you you try not to think about it i i can't overstate the level of courage it takes to blow a whistle on organizations it's it's clearly a terrifying thing otherwise it'd happen more especially in a country that actively punishes people for you know speaking up it's it's you know it's tricky um but i'm it's it's better to know right it's better to know that these things happened because mm-hmm. otherwise they can just keep happening yeah that, that's my opinion yeah. yes um so paul um <laughs> something really upbeat and cheerful Oh, what's what's something upbeat and cheerful, or do you have something upbeat and cheerful? Not really. Oh, okay. I have a final message here. Um, yep. it, it's not a question. It's just a nice thing someone said, so I'll mm. read that right now. It's from Tom Stevens. Hi, Paul and John. Love the podcast. Plan on getting both books for myself for Christmas. Just a quick question for John. Have you had any encounters with cowboy truckies? Having heard you cover nearly everything was just curious. Anyway, gents, love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Look forward to many episodes to come. It's great listening. Her Tom. I'm Cowboy so, truckies. so, so happy that that was asked. And I'm going to give a really positive truck story because there are some... It's a tough gig. Mm. Uh, that they, they are professional drivers. I mean, who hasn't been tailgated? I mean, that's quite scary. You mean tailgated like in Duel where a truck tailgates well, someone? Well, yeah, sort of. It can be a bit intimidating. Um, but, you know, here's a little story and it's a lovely story. And I was a young police officer at North Sydney. Now, we were on a highway, beginning of the Pacific Highway, which goes all the way up to, well, it goes for a long, long way. And it was in the morning. It was a week morning. And I'm working in the station. And I became aware that I thought it was a dark, dark storm cloud as the North Sydney Police Station, the entire front um, office counter the station area where the public come in, 
and I'm working behind this counter and everything started to go really dark. And you know on those days when a big cloud goes over the sun, things there's a definite change in light. Yeah. And everything went quite dark and I was aware of this massive shadow. And then all of a sudden the door to the North Sydney Police Station opens and this guy comes in and he stands there and he's wearing a blue singlet, short pants, thongs. He looked sort of somewhat disheveled. And he said to me, he said, look, mate, he said, I've got a real problem. He said, I am driving a 40-wheeler semi-trailer and the tyres are bald and my boss, he won't replace them. He said, I'm scared. I'm scared there's going to be a terrible accident in the wet and it's going to end really badly. And I'm thinking to myself, what on earth can I do? And he said to me, he said, look, would you be able to come out and have a look at the truck? So I went out and and there was literally canvas material coming through. It was so bad. And in sheer desperation, he'd parked this massive semi-trailer out in front of the station. And he said to me, and I'll never forget this. He said, mate, he said, I'd like you to defect the truck. Now, there were two types of defects we could give. We could either give a yellow label or a red label. And I filled out the defect book and I stuck a red label on his windscreen. And that meant that it couldn't be driven. And they had to get a massive tow truck in. And that was the only way he could get new tyres for this massive truck. How's that for a story? Doesn't have a lot to do with bad truck drivers, does it? No, it's all right. The fact is we said trucks and you told a truck story. Mm. So I'm so really you- glad. It's it's not often I get to tell a truck story. Ten points for you. Thank you. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Loose Ends. Next week we're doing Chapter 6 of Loose Units. It's going to be a real banger, so make sure you grab a copy of Loose Units if you don't have one. Grab Electric Blue if you don't have one of those, and uh, grab someone you love and tell them you love them. To give them an old, give them a big hug. <sighs> it's too hot in this room. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Cheerio. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.